What's good, everybody? It's Scoobert Dubert here. Welcome back to Love Music More. I am joined with Joshu, the man, the myth. <laughs> and uh, Josh is going to talk to us all about um, his recent trip on the road, Peter Gabriel, playing you know things like Madison Square Garden, like living that dream, and then also as an artist and, and producer and engineer and all the different things that you do on so many different levels as a musician. I'm so excited to talk to you about you know, what is it like to be a modern musician, to be touring, to be doing your own project, to be a songwriter, and then also like Apple commercial. And like, there's so much that we can talk about. I'm I'm so stoked. So welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, let's have a chat, Josh. Yeah, thanks for having me, Scoop. Appreciate it. Yeah. So first of all, uh, spelling your your project name, Joshu, um, how can yep. people like, like find you, listen to some, some music if they want to just do that before the conversation? Yeah, sure. It's a J-O-S-H-O-O on all the streaming services to find me on instagram it's uh underscore joshu tiktok same same thing love it yeah find yeah. me <laughs> find him find him and maybe listen a little bit and then we'll then we'll jump in so um first of all i would love to talk about just kind of how you got started in music because i always think it's interesting like how did you get the bug when did it when did it began uh, and then like when did you say okay i'm taking this seriously now and was yeah, it all sure. at the same time or was it was it kind of like a, a, a tiered process? Um, let's see. I so I started music just in school, California public schools. I'm from the San Francisco Bay Area. Yeah. And I started playing the trumpet in fourth grade. We had elementary school band, which is huge and we can yeah, that's that's like it was uh, always kind of in and out when I was a kid. Like, are we gonna keep elementary school band? Or is is it not yeah. gonna what, so stick what around? Elementary, what does an elementary school band look like? Is that like, are we talking recorder or are we talking next level stuff? So, so we did like the the one we did like the one year of recorder, which I was terrible at. And so oh, I was, really, that's interesting. I was, I was horrible, and so I like then like fourth grade rolled yeah. around nine years old, and it was time to try choose an instrument and. I remembered my experience with the recorder and all the buttons. And I was like, I'm no, I'm going to be no good at the saxophone. I was like confident, confident that it was just not going to work. So I saw the brass instruments with the the less buttons. And I knew my dad was a trombone player. Um, yeah. And back in, in like high school and college. And, uh, but I don't know, something about the trumpet really called to me yeah. and and I chose the trumpet and it just so happened. I didn't know this before choosing it, but um, my godfather, who I grew up very close with and who's very close with my family, he was, uh, he was like, oh, I, I'm a trumpet player. Like, no way. Like, I didn't know, I didn't know that growing up. He's like, I, yeah. I'm a trumpet player. And uh, he's like, I'll, I'll give you lessons. And, cool. and he's kind of like, uh, he, like he he was a very successful um professional musician actually in the in the 80s and he was a uh composer and arranger for tv and huge just hugely successful very short career in la um as a composer and then uh he hit his mid-30s and he had some health issues and he um and he just retired um just then and there and and now he uh spends a lot of time mentoring kids and so i was like kind of the first the first step into like 
I'm going to, I'm going to take on this, this mentorship thing and do it like really hard. So I, my experience is I jumped in just kind of like, I like music. And then all of a sudden I had really intense mentorship and then, nice. um, and then the better I got, the more I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of playing in like my school band and stuff, playing the trumpet, you know, just trying to be like first chair and everything. And then I went to a, a jazz camp and like the San Francisco Bay area is a really amazing place for um, youth, like jazz education. And there's like a lot of like outlets for it. And a lot of the, not only just like after school programs, but also like public school music teachers, very good, just like v- making very good um, programs. And so um, I went to this jazz thing when I was uh maybe 11 or something and I was introduced to Miles Davis and also like met all these other kids who were into music and it was like this combination of factors of wow I really love this music like I listened to this Miles Davis CD like like all my other friends were listening to like um scene stuff you know like uh goth goth kind of stuff and then I got I got like into like all this music from the 40s 50s and 60s and that was like my 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 rebellious music you know yeah um well at that time too it was rebellious right like i feel like people forget the ethos of what jazz was before it became like institutionalized is that it was a a very rebellious art form a very emotive and different like hugely so and like and i think i think as like a a young teenager connecting to music for the first time. I think that's why all this really emotional, like people think of teenagers being obsessed with like Metallica or like, or like, you know, emo stuff or like, it's just all really emotive. Yeah. Music, you know? Yeah. And, and I, and I, I just found that with jazz and combining that with like a really big, community like local community of um of kids you know kids who are like learning how to play these instruments and getting really good and then wanting to get together and jam and then I started um meeting kids from like all over the San Francisco Bay Area who were in this thing so I was like travel I was you know getting on the train and traveling to like different places and I was going to San Francisco I was going to Berkeley I was going to Oakland and I was like oh my god like this is like this is like my thing, you know? And I like, um, and so, yeah, I'm just getting better and better and getting more and more obsessed. And it was at that time that I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Yes. I love this. You know, I love this. This is my thing. I'm going to go to college for this. Like, um, so I kind of like got set on this. I want to be a professional musician path, like by like, 12 13 dang super early yeah really early um and it was really just solidified by this um mentorship that i had from my godfather and then he he um being a former or yeah being a professional musician he had all these connections with all of these great um, um you know amazing musicians so then i got not only his mentorship, but he's connecting me with mm-hmm. uh, other, you know, like 
longtime studio, you know, musicians in, in LA or he connected me with um, Clark Terry, who's like one of like the all time jazz greats who was like, I was 15 and he was in his nineties, you know, teaching me. And like, so I was, I, I was just having all these very like profound experiences yes. around music and community yes. just from a very young age, you know, in a way that really just kept snowballing my, um, my love for it. So I love it. yeah, that's kind of my early, my earliest experiences. So I've, I've yeah. seen this, I've seen this going around social media and I, I wanted to yeah. ask you about it of um people it's it's like it's a joke but people being like i don't trust trumpets because there's not enough buttons for the amount (laughs) yeah i saw that yeah could you could you explain to people like i I feel like you know everybody's heard trumpets everybody like loves like like they get the sound of it the timbre is so distinct but like how does it actually work for the layman like how how are you producing so many notes with only three buttons like you were saying the difference between the saxophone the saxophone like you get it It, you press a button it makes a different note but like what's the that quote was the the saxophone has no secrets yeah yeah so the trumpet at its very simplest is you're uh you're blowing into a a tube right a metal tube and like anybody, any kid, you've you've taken like a a roll of uh, toilet paper, you know, or a yeah. roll, uh, like a paper towel roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just make the sound like right. Yeah. And and the trumpet is kind of like that. Okay. Is kind of like that, but basically by blowing into a metal mouthpiece, which is then blowing into a metal pipe. Mm-hmm the air that you're pushing through creates vibrations yeah okay so that's it's at its it's very basic you're just blowing metal a metal uh, you know you're just blowing into metal and creating vibrations yes and then the rest it gets very heady so like the three buttons Mm -hmm. um back in the day like we've all seen like pictures of like bugles like war bugles stuff like that where it's just like one big long tube right uh-huh. and you're just like bah, 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 you know <laughs> renaissance vibes yeah exactly the king and so is coming. That, <laughs> yeah exactly and so um and it's kind of weird how there's there's like big jumps in between all those things on a bugle right, it, right. you always like, the picture is like bah, 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 bah. and that's basically how this thing called the overtone series works yeah. on brass instruments where it's like um you only have a very specific number of notes that kind of come out and just like pop out. And they're all kind of like uh, big spaces away from each other. And the way that a trumpet works is with those three buttons, it's kind of like you're taking um, 12 of those long uh, bugles of different lengths. Okay. And smushing them into one instrument and like and the buttons the buttons allow you to switch between which of those long bugles that you're using at any point in time right that's a cool way to put it i love that i love that and uh and and it's really funny because like whenever i i always say like whenever you get two guitar players in the room talking about guitar they get they just get really excited they just kind of get like 
they just start nerding out and they start talking about gear and talking about sounds and pedals and blah, 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 blah. And then you get two trumpet players in a room and within 20 minutes, it's an emotional conversation. It's a real heart to heart yeah, because it's so hard and it's so yeah. heady. Like, yeah. how do I get between, you know, how do yeah. I like, uh-huh. and the, the way that you're moving between the the ranges and the way that you're uh, getting uh, different notes out is like all these very precise uses of like airspeed and like, um how how am i using how uh much pressure is on the lips and the mouthpiece you know like what sort of uh you know quality of air am i using am i using my air from my lungs or pushing down deep from my diaphragm it's all these very like uh physical but also kind Mm -hmm. of heady concepts that you can't just like pluck a, a string on a guitar or hit the yeah. note on a piano you know it's less so like internalized like, like 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 yeah piano is like the most clear example of like an external linear it's yeah it's there uh, mm-hmm. and then like eventually like piano gets more dynamics like early piano that like harpsichord or whatever is pretty much like the note you play is the note you play it's yeah. gonna be loud there's no there's not a lot of variation there. And so it's kind of like choose your notes. Yes. But then versus like a, I guess really any wind instrument in general, I guess, but something that is now like I'm taking my vocal cords and I'm like moving them to my lips or to a reed. Like, I, I feel like that, that feels more like a singer to me than some yes. of those other instruments that are like manipulated. Just like, just like singing, you have to have a really strong concept of the note that you want to come out before it comes yeah out. yeah you have to yeah like you have to know okay this is the note that i'm going to come want to come out uh you know yes yeah. be flat and then yeah and then you do all the right things you get the right finger fingering together you hold the instrument how you want it to come out how you know how you know is the the most proper way to do it and then you do it uh, you know like that note comes out it's like a whole stepwise process that all starts with this kind of like uh knowledge and belief of what what you want the note to sound like before it even comes out i like that like a a sculptor you know right there's there's a different level of like intentionality and like on guitar a lot of times i will think in terms of like shapes or mm-hmm. like you know like sometimes like I, I will be a lot of times obviously i think about the notes but sometimes i'll be, I'll be thinking about like superimposing interesting triad on another interesting triad or whatever and it's a little bit more like i'm just going to move the shape up and down and around to yeah interest but it's it's a little bit it doesn't really require intentionality it's the same ish tension between different parts of the neck so i just yeah. keep hitting it <laughs> yeah exactly yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, playing playing the trumpet is very it's a very physical experience. Like yeah, you yeah. you're blowing the air and you're you're feeling all this air moving through your chest and then even like up through your head. And cool. Um do you have the concept like of mix in the same way that you do with vocals? Um like like uh for example, for you have chest voice, you have head voice, and you kind of have the transition from one to the next. Do, is there like yeah. a similar kind of like blend thing within there is. There is, yeah, and um, 
but I, I kind of think about it like in it's it's the same idea, but I just think about it in partials where like this this group of notes, you know, in this small amount of space, they all feel kind of similar. Cool. And then and then you go up uh a, a, you know, you go up uh an interval and all of a sudden these five notes kind of feel similar. Mm -hmm. Um mm -hmm. so there's like a big there's a big portion of the learning process that's like, okay, I've got this group of notes feeling pretty good. I've got this group of notes feeling pretty good. I've got this one, but it's actually the hard part is figuring out how to transition smoothly between yeah, all those that. different, you know, the the different registers. So it doesn't sound like you're just going, and then you kind of come down to your problem. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. You know, like, <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it doesn't sound like you're picking up different uh, bugles. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Um, so I'm I'm curious about uh I feel like the first time I met you, you described yourself as like a, a flugelhorn player or something like that. Could you could you tell me uh, yeah. your your passion for that instrument or kind of the differences? Um, because I think a lot of people would see it and be like, trumpets. Like I don't know. Like I, I don't know if people really would understand the the nuance. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so the flugelhorn is an instrument that has had like a couple big moments in, yes. in pop culture history okay. and the biggest one is definitely chuck mangione from like the the 80s he had like that hit song like feels so good right and and my mentor clark terry also back um much earlier like in the 50s and 60s he was like a very well-known more it's more for playing the flugelhorn than the trumpet but basically for all intents and purposes, they they play exactly the same. Like they have the same three buttons. They're very similar size. But the flugelhorn just um because of its construction, mm -hmm. it has a mellower, a mellower yeah. sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the, the flugelhorn is just a uh, trumpet was invented like the the corner was like really popular at in like the turn of the 20th century like it was just like as a full nice sounding instrument but it was also at the time when um like marching bands were starting to become a thing you know john philip Sousa and stuff like that yeah and so the trumpet was brought brought out because you could hear that you know this marching band is approaching you know a, a thousand yards away uh -huh. and we needed an instrument that really projected and yeah so yeah uh that was that was the whole point of the trumpet is like this thing can project so well yes um so yeah. there's just like this inherent kind of aggressive quality to the instrument that even yeah you know like a lot of my favorite players they play it in a very gentle way but mm -hmm. it is it's an aggressive instrument and the flugelhorn is just an uh, not it's just not it's just a oh, beautiful yeah. beautiful tone and uh it feel like i keep talking about how the trumpet feels to play and it's like it's just more that, of that a, makes sense especially because like well, i'm trying to get this across to people that have never played it or maybe don't even play music and so talking about the feeling i think is easier for people to grasp necessarily than the technicality so i i appreciate it yeah 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 it's a uh, the the experience of playing it 
yeah is less aggressive along with the tone you know okay i think yeah. i think you kind of like you like match the i think there's a thing of like if if somebody hands you okay i, I was in a studio one time yeah, yeah, before yeah. i played before i played guitar at all yeah and there was a, a marshall stack yes amp, right you know like right. like a big rock and roll amp from like the 60s and somebody just hands me a guitar plugged into distortion and a marshall stack yeah and i just played one note on an open string and the whole room shook right yes and and like the physical feeling of that is such like you know like yeah. oh my god like right. it's a it's a rush it's a it's yeah, like a head it rush right very much is and um but to play an instrument like a flute or a flugelhorn or just something that's giving a um giving such a mellow yeah energy i think you feel that in your body and you reflect it in in your own energy right i agree i agree yeah yeah i I totally agree i think that that, that's a that's a really cool comparison because i I feel that a lot on guitars and it was really hard for me for a while to get used to um line in guitars Mm -hmm. because i didn't have the same like feedback emotional feedback response as connecting with an amplifier i'm over that now that took me a while but like yeah but in part because yeah you plug into like i've i've had the pleasure of playing some like decently sized arena kind of situations yeah with a big stack amp and it's like i'm not allowed to play certain chords anymore it's just this yeah. not in the bag it can't it it will sound like crap and i don't even want to because it's just mm-hmm. that's not the thing so there's like a different it's like the the g chord um like taking away the third that's on the b string and and instead putting down mm-hmm the the d to add in another perfect fifth yeah it's like that's the right move now it's like i don't yeah. want this jangling third up here i want a fifth up at the top and i might not Ow. even play the third you know it's like, yeah. like my g chord that like i might even just mute that string and now it is literally an open power chord it's like yeah. mm-hmm. that's just what i want it to be now it's like there's a reason why yeah. acdc sounds like acdc <laughs> yep like that's where they were playing that's the gear they were using it's what comes out the idea was huge, right? Yeah, big, giant, in yeah, a big yeah. place with a lot of people. It's so like, many people. Exactly. And it, it creates a simplicity to the music and it creates a certain vocabulary. Um, yeah. that, like, I, And I like the the idea of who's in charge of that vocabulary. Is it the space? Is it the gear? Or is it the person? The answer is kind of like, yes. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. like, it's like everybody's involved there. Um, 100%. And I, that's one of the reasons why I like listening to live records because I think that it's fun to hear bands change and adapt based on venue. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, a lot of musicians don't have a respect for how um, contextual music is. Cool. Or like, yeah. especially a, a lot of musicians that maybe like come from where I, where I came from, like a very academic environment and then go out into the real world and play music and it's like oh this is music is a completely contextual beast like i'm i'm at this uh brewery yeah. right? right no one wants no one wants to hear my himalayan gong music that's just like uh-huh. you know that's just how it is and then i start playing some like acdc covers and it's like yeah you know just in the just in the same way that like the a lot of that jazz that i grew up 
you know, absolutely being obsessed with and loving. Yeah. I went to New York. I'd go to the, New York for the first time as a teenager and go to these clubs yeah. and hear it in like these basements where it's supposed to be played. And I was like, oh my God, yes. this is it. This right. is the thing, right? Totally, man. Um, totally agree. Yeah, music is totally a, a product of the space and the, the gear and the, the yeah. people around, right? Yeah. That's why I like the concept bedroom pop. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a nice, like, it's a, it is an appropriate evocative term for what the music sounds like in the way that it's recorded. Like, mm-hmm. to see the, the size and the scope and the dryness, all of these, like, little things that are just... yeah. It's it's a nice it's a nice term for a genre. You you said intimacy was the word you you, you used, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I agree. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like you can use reverb, and there can be lush kind of dreamscape kind of things, but mm-hmm. fundamentally, I think it's like small room sounds, dry sounds, with yeah. flourishes and splashes of like the feeling of being like laying in your bed daydreaming or something you know 100 yeah and i'm curious um how did you how'd you go from jazz into the genre that you make as your own your own name like how how did that transition happen so uh great question so i was uh like i was saying when i was a teenager i was obsessive jazz position yeah and then um i'm ending i'm starting to like come to my last couple years of high school and i would say that love of jazz just got me more primed for being presented i'm saying like air quotes like interesting music like music that yeah uh challenged my (laughs) challenged my preconceived notions of what music is so yeah um so my last couple years in, in high school it went from obsessed with jazz to like all of a sudden people were like, oh, this kid loves music. Let's just give him whatever we think is the coolest, most interesting music, right? So all of a sudden I'm listening to uh, James Blake who had just just started popping off at that point. I'm listening to uh, D'Angelo, like uh, Voodoo, his super famous record. I'm listening to kind of the underground beat scene was just starting to happen so all of a sudden i'm listening to d'angelo and a lot of his i mean sorry um flying lotus and thundercat and all like like this southern california Mm kind of like underground hip-hop shit and then uh yeah all this like and then and then stuff from the from the past as well like earth and fire uh power power all these like you know i'm a trumpet player so all these horn bands from like the 70s and 80s and like that was the stuff that um my parents yes grew up on and i was a musician right so they introduced me to that and i actually started studying with um the original trumpet player in tower power as a teenager and then he rejoined the band and then i started playing with them in high school amazing so um by the time i was uh finishing high school i was I had gone from like, I want to be the next big, I want to, I want to be a jazz musician in New York playing these clubs. Right. Yeah. And then I was all of a sudden, I was finding like, okay, there's a lot, I'm inspired by uh-huh. a lot more stuff than just this. And so I was starting to see people that had careers like this, uh, 
my idol is this guy named Roy Hargrove, which a lot of musicians, Absolutely. you know, love and respect. And he passed away pretty young, he did. Um, maybe five years ago. But he was he's just this um, this iconic guy who had um, he was, as a trumpet player and he was ranger. Um, yeah, the ranger, and he was making this huge impact in big records like the D'Angelo records, but also with John Mayer, or later in his life with the 1975, yeah, and Erica Badu. You know, just all these like genre had no limit. And then also he then he'd go off and play like a jazz a jazz tour, yes. you know, with a with a acoustic quartet, you know, in Europe. And I was like, wow, what a cool career! Yeah. You know, that's totally, so man. cool, absolutely. Yeah, it's like what, like, what an inspiring vision, you know, like, um, right, right. And so then I went off um, to college, and mm-hmm. and then um, I started playing in this kind of like rock jam band in co- on college, and yeah, and we started even in co- in college we were, we started touring just locally, and then a little less locally in the end of college we started um we got an agent and we were touring full time um so that was my first uh experience in professional touring yeah and um and i was getting more involved in the and i i had always been like a writer and i was writing um i was doing I, I, uh, in college, I was a film composition major, so I was like writing music for like yeah. documentaries and like little yeah. short movies and stuff like that. And I was also doing all my jazz kind of stuff. And right. but then I started, um, you know, being really heavy in the in this rock band, and then also all the records that I started listening to, it stopped being so much instrumental music, and then all of a sudden, I was listening to like in i like i discovered like indie music late you yeah, know i was like probably yeah, yeah, for sure. 20 22 and then i was obsessed with all this indie stuff and then i was like okay and then i started listening to like indie electronic kind of stuff and it was like like i think the the main thing is i was always keeping my ears open just like I'm just out here looking for something that I think is inspiring and interesting and then Sabrina. right right in that way, you know. So um from from all that, then I started I went I went out to LA a couple times and um I had started making music on my computer just like either for like the, this film kind of stuff or just like messing around like with sounds and you know like whoa i can't believe i can i can't believe i can do this with a you know like a a midi keyboard and then yeah and then uh i did a couple writing sessions with some friends in la who are like pop producers and i was seeing them work and i was just like blown away yeah with that lifestyle with that workflow and that sort of targeted creativity yeah yeah right. right like we're gonna we're gonna write a song now and it's going to be in this vibe yeah. and let's come up with the instrumentation together yeah. let's what are we writing about who is this character yep. and it was just all all the parts of it were so exciting for yes. me yes and and so and so clear in a way that i think a lot of uh 
a lot of the composition that I've been doing mm-hmm. was just so just like yeah. pouring out, pouring out from the heart, you know, just like uh-huh. very much like paintbrush, just going crazy on a canvas. Right. And this was like, wow, this is so direct. This is so yeah. like, yeah, in in a way that I think, um, I don't know, maybe you can comment on this, but I think a lot of folks see people who they, you know, maybe are, are creative or like have, um, whether they're musicians or painters or in, in whatever way. And there's just this idea that they have their creativity and then all of a sudden they're making a, a thing and it just like makes sense. Right. Yeah. But I think there's this, huge portion of time and your energy as a creative where you're just you're excited about making but you don't really know what you want to make right so there's this experimental phase where you're doing all this different stuff and you're like well i tried drawing but maybe now i'll try Uh a sculpture and see whatever of these things these things fits right and I basically found the combination of pr- production and songwriting. And I was just like, this, yeah. this, yeah. this hits. I yeah. want to do this. Um, so that's, that, that was, that was about five years ago. And since then I've, it's been like, just like whoa okay now let's think about genre like what genre you know and i've I've kind of dabbled in a bunch of different genres uh i wasn't really singing before that but it was like well i'm yeah i want to i want to make music that's song based then it's like okay let's learn not only let's learn how to write songs but like let's learn how to sing like (laughs) yeah yeah so uh yeah still on the on the journey you know learning new things every day no, I, I yeah the concept of like yeah exploration and i i still have those sessions where it's like what what kind of sounds can i make like using samplers mm-hmm. like just it's like nonsense it's like not i'm not mm-hmm. a song here i'm just like trying to make a new weird sound that i've never heard before and then now it's kind of like in the bag or i forget about it or whatever it doesn't really matter it's mm-hmm. like just the explore exploration kind of session those like, mm-hmm. I think that they're really valuable. Um, and then on the exact opposite, I think it's super valuable to be able to challenge yourself and then meet the challenge. Like I want to write a song that's at 122 beats per minute that feels like uh, strutting down a boardwalk at like 70 degrees um, and like you forgot your sunscreen. Like, you know, like, like just be like, I want to hit that emotion. I want to make something that puts it there. And I also want it to like be good and fit my sensibility. And to be yeah. able to like do all that, even if it like kind of misses the mark somewhat, that is the exact opposite of just like a pure exploration um, thing, but they both have so much value. And I think that the end listener really appreciates it when it's like, Oh man, that song put me right there. And it's like, yeah, intentionally. Yeah. That's what I was going for. Mm-hmm. Glad it exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I, and I think like having, having some of both in you is so key. It's so and, key. One feeds the other man. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I think about it a lot with with collaborators of mine or just peers you know yeah. friends who who do a similar thing um there's this book that was really popular in the 70s called uh zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance cool. and 
uh, it's kind of like this pop philosophy book. Yeah. And one of the main themes that this guy is exploring in the book is the, he's trying to define quality. Okay. Okay. And, and he goes kind of nuts trying to define it. <laughs> and, but one of the, one of the methods that he uses to define it is he thinks about this, this scale. And I, I think about this scale all the time. And on one side of the scale are these two, on each side of the scale, is, there's an archetype, right? And on one side of the scale, there's the engineer. And the engineer loves a thing or he he believes in the quality of thing, the thing because he thinks it's a beautiful construction. Like he sees all the individual bits yeah, and he can see how carefully and intentionally they're put together and how when they're put together, you create a bigger, uh, more beautiful thing than they were before, right? And then on the on the other side of the scale is the the artist, mm -hmm. and the artist loves something because of the the novelty of the thing. Wow, I've never seen something like this. I've never seen something that makes me feel the way this does. I think this is new i think this is fresh i think this is taking on a new uh look at maybe a tired thing right yeah. and and so i think every creative lives on some part of that that binary you know and 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 people move and you know they shift too and uh but um and sometimes on a on a day-to-day -day basis, like you were saying, like with the exercise, you know, sometimes it's more uh, important or helpful to be like, okay, I'm going to be the engineer today. I'm going to make something that is good and fits fits the mold and is like super appropriate for this thing. And then the next day it might be like, wow, that was, that was really a lot on the brain. I'm just going to... Yeah find this synthesizer that I don't know how it works and I'm just going to twist the knobs until something <laughs> cool comes out, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, and, and uh, there's the different goals of like, I'm trying to finish something. Yeah. Is I'm trying to like find something. Mm -hmm. And both of them can have their own sort of like flow state, but they're both yeah. very different. Like the engineer's flow state is you see 12 steps ahead and you go, yeah. okay, I'm going to EQ this thing. It's going to run into this parallel compressor, which is going to hit this bus, which will hit the master bus in this way. And then if I turn up this percussion, now all of these things are going to glue and I'm going to you know, do track spacer or soothe or something like that to pull out some of these resonances. And now it's all going to work. And then it's like, hey, yeah. sorry, I can't talk to you for like 25 minutes. I'm going to do this thing that just all revealed itself to me. But that's very yeah, much right. like, engineer flow state and then you have like the creative flow state that's like i see how the arc the emotional arc can now like play out or like i can see the instrumentation and the way that it all starts talking to each other and like grows yeah. and it's not mm -hmm. necessarily like i see all the notes or i see all the rhythms or i see the grid or whatever it's not even like quite that it's like more of a trance almost of just like a Blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. okay that's the tune now now let's like shape it and, and mix it or whatever but um, i think it's interesting they both have their own set of flow but they're very like 
contrasting different sorts of trance like yes whatever mm -hmm. and i think that that flow state yeah is uh one of the most attractive parts of uh because it's so hard to get it it's so hard to get it like we don't have like flow state rituals and stuff like that like i feel like human beings used to have that like the shamanic like mm -hmm. like part of your day to day or month to month is like you had you'd have like ritual like a thing that you do as a community and you'd bind each other together you'd go through this mm -hmm. thing take you from one state to the next like we are very regimented and logical and do your nine to five you do your thing you commute you go and then music mm -hmm. is like one of those only places that it's like perfectly acceptable to lock yourself in a room and just like explore colors and <laughs> yeah yeah inside yourself for 12 hours and it's just you come out and you're like i haven't eaten all day but it's like you did it. You did that. Yeah, exactly. What'd you do today? I, I smoked a lot of weed and I made some really good, I made some really good explorations, you know, like, okay, cool. Exactly. Good for you, man. You know, how old are you? Yeah, you know, like, yeah I know, right? It's like, honestly, it's like, it's like the same thing as like, I, I used to get that rush of like playing with my dinosaurs or whatever as a kid or like, yeah. you know, like coming up with stories and things like that. It's like, you can do you can scratch that same itch through music and it's at yeah. least somewhat more socially acceptable because people get to experience those results with you and maybe that's part of the charm of music is like people might lose some of that sense of like play and, and flow state and transfer oh, yeah. and then music can kind of like give it back a little bit i think the the phrase childlike curiosity is yeah. over over said but it is extremely real and i think that is like like you said just the biggest benefit of music and art is like this uh this ability to bring that childlike yeah uh, attention to your life not and not just hopefully not just in the moment where you're experiencing the thing but cool. it yeah. can, can, carries on through right? yeah right it gets baked in yeah um, i, I want to talk to you too about um the the tour that you just got off of um yeah so Dope. and then also um because i feel like that dovetails really well in terms of like community experience and flow state like live music and and, mm -hmm. and seeing what that does to people um have you ever been on a tour of that size before i certainly have not no no i have not it was the first time and it was really my first time i actually i, I feel like i I skip a level really like where all my touring in the past has been van tours and and sprinter tours like yeah. you're in like in the back of a mercedes sprinter right um and the next logical level up is a uh, tour bus right that's where your classic uh rock band or pop stars on on I've tour done, i've done that like playing yeah guitar. i've never yeah next and i and i've never done that but then doing <laughs> this this was like you're flying everywhere. You have a fancy hotel every night. You know, you're staying at the nicest hotel in town. Yeah, yeah. You're like, there's only three shows a week, so you're like, yes, really, really relaxed. Yep. And every everything is taken care of you. You know, for you, it's just very, very. Yeah. Uh, the accommodations and lifestyle is very cushy. Yeah. And then. Additionally, like the production, the size of the production is just like of a scale that I've never been a part of. You know? Where it's, I think there is, so like it was a 
nine piece band and or eight piece band and him and and then i think we had 60 traveling crew and at least in europe i don't know what it was in the states but it was like three tour buses and 12 trucks full of the right. staging and the lighting oh. and the sound gear and stuff like that god so with with the, on a tour of that scale so yeah you're you're setting up all of your own stuff pretty much everywhere you go you're not using house rigs or whatever it's pretty much all in those trucks yeah exactly yeah so the the tour owns all of the all yep. of the stuff and then but but when i walk out on the stage yeah. all of all of my instruments are always already set up for me like there were there were five it just just in the crew there were five instrument techs cool you know yeah drum tech two guitar techs keyboard tech um and a guy who was doubling bass tech and and my tech you know so it's like it's really like and okay here's another example it's like before the tour started i got recruited to play some like secondary keyboard parts yeah and i was i was sent over um and just yeah so i was playing i was playing keyboards i was playing trumpet i was playing french horn I was playing Ewe, which is kind of like a, a wind controlled synth, and I was singing background vocals and shake shaking some shaker, you know. <laughs> um, so I had I had a lot on my plate, right? So I was before the tour, I was getting really like organized in my brain of like, okay, I need to, you know. And we were given too much. We were given a lot of material. We were given like somewhere between 35 and 50 songs oh my god and and we we ended up playing 23 or 25 you know for the tour but it was like oh my god i have a lot of i have a lot to learn yes and i and um i was also like the only i'm the first like horn player he's ever had in his band so it was like okay i have a lot to learn there's also not really defined yeah. stuff for me to do so there's a, a lot of me coming in being like this is what i think i should do crazy right and it's like you're it's not just any old song it's like this peter gabriel it's like you know, yeah like, yeah let me just like add in some arrangements exactly yeah. exactly and um i was talking to the musical director before the tour and he, he his advice was just come in strong with your idea yeah. And if it's too much, we'll reel it back. Cool. Yeah, love it. And I was like, "That's perfect advice. That's perfect. You know, I can come in really strong." And, yeah. <laughs> and and I did. And a really amazing thing about Peter is he the the crazier I got, the more excited he was, basically. Um and uh and it was a big tour for him because he's he's had the same band. And the same kind of configuration of band for decades, long time. Yes. So this tour adding me adding there was there were a couple um amazing string players. Um there was just more people around doing yeah, additional right. adding more colors. Yeah. This was a hugely like like let's blow the lid off of this thing yeah. and make something new and cool. So yeah. 
so he, I think he was also feeling especially creatively right. free. Down. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Right um, but, oh yeah, but the reason I brought up this whole thing was I was yeah. talking about just like the scale of this right. whole tour, right? Where um, I was preparing all these extra parts, right? And And the keyboards and synths were kind of like the monolith. I was like, oh my God, I have to like, go into these old recordings and find the right sounds and then uh, do the sound design and like put together my rig, you know? And I was like, Oh, this is going to be crazy. Like, this is, this yeah. is like, this is a lot of work. Yeah. And I heard, you know, like maybe a month before the tour, um, one of the techs reached out to me and he's like, Oh, by the way, we're doing all of that for you. It's like, it's all going to be, ready you know you just show up at rehearsal yes and and we're gonna have all your sounds ready to go and we're gonna be triggering them at the right time so you just you just stand there and nice. play play your keyboard part and be pretty and you know you're you're good it's like wow this is this is cushy this right. is nice um but uh yeah yeah what a great way to like free you up it's like Cause that that's always the thing that messes me up, man. Is mm. like playing live. It's always having to put on like the random hats. Cause whatever mm. it is, without fail, when I'm playing like a club date or whatever, usually you know as this project, there will be something that will go wrong right before the downbeat. Yeah, so, like mm -hmm. something the monitor doesn't work anymore, or like the amp won't turn on, like something just like yeah, completely take you out of it. You have to like go full on troubleshoot this thing, and it's like now you're on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now go be scuba. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like you're dancing <laughs> on pedals and like yeah. things. And you're like, I am not thinking about playing music. I am like, it's the engineer. I'm like playing the engineer rather than the artist. And by allowing you to go further on that spectrum, I think that that everybody wins. I think that's really cool. 100%. Yeah, every, everybody gets the, the more distilled version of the thing, right? Yeah, right. And, and, on that note, I think the the emphasis on the performance, yeah, yeah, like it's really, I I really saw it as my responsibility, and I was getting um, some cues from that from some of my my bandmates as well. It's like, okay, like I have no other responsibilities other than be yeah. like the best performer that I can be. Yes. Um, so there was a lot of discussion of like the the theater of the show, you know, like what is the yeah 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 what what is the what 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 should I be doing, you know, like what is the the what am I what face am I making, you oh, know, yeah. during this song, you know, and you're like, like where are you moving? Are you stationary? Are you yeah, like, yeah, I'm like moving around, and like there's like, and um, it's not like the most it's it's some there's some choreography in choreography in the show but it's not like um a pop show it's not yeah. like it's not key. it's not like we're doing uh dance moves every uh song you know we didn't we didn't have we didn't have uh two weeks of choreo practice yeah, before. yeah, yeah. Right. but but it's also a lot of the show is very it's a very contemplative show it's a very like yes like he has his his big songs that where everybody gets up and dances, but there's probably uh, two thirds of this show where 
people are mostly seated and he's singing these really heartfelt ballads and some of these some you know and some of the places some of the um the the lighting and the video is like yeah you're not in a party atmosphere so it's like what am i what is my role as someone on stage assisting this right this that, thing I, right yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, what was it like playing a historic venue like Madison Square Garden? It was, it was really, a, that was, that was like a dream. That was a dream of mine. And uh, <laughs> it's funny in, in, in New York specifically, because here's a very like industry thing that came up is in, in a lot of the, um, the bigger cities in the country there are really strong unions yes at present at the venues so like new york chicago um those are the ones that are coming up in my brain the most but the the house the people working at the venue so like the the riggers and just like the house uh people like, moving amp boxes and stuff like that uh, really uh, strong really strong unions so there's a lot of rules about what you can do and what you can't do um there's a lot of very strict timing things about their shifts okay. about you know like when 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 to set up when we can't set up this is our lunch break this is our dinner break yeah. um and so like <laughs> part of the experience as a performer like at Madison Square Garden is like, I had told uh, David, the guitar player in the band, like, David, it's a dream of mine to play just like, just one E chord at Madison yeah. Square Garden on guitar, uh -huh. you know, just like, you know, just hit yeah. that. Yeah. And he's like, okay, that's fine. You know, like, I'll, yeah, here, yeah. Yeah. And so, but the time came around, end of sound check. Yeah. And I came up to him and we're literally getting, pushed off the stage by our by our um you know by our crew saying like if we're on the stage for one more minute we're gonna get fined you oh know or, God, we're gonna get, yes. we're, or we're gonna get in real big trouble yeah so it's like <laughs> like my e-cord no <laughs> so, um um so that's just one of, one of like the funny things about like actually being you know being at those places and yeah uh, but uh, it's epic. It's epic. It's like you you you're in soundcheck or on the stage, and you're looking up. Like in Chicago, we played where the the Bulls play, you know. And like you look up and you say like the Michael Jordan uh, jersey, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then like um, wow, and uh, just like little things like that. Madison Square Garden. I I had this memory of the only time I've ever been there was to see Radiohead and I had taken a bus down from Boston um to see them by myself and I was looking at the seat where I had seen that show you know years ago and then I was like I'm, I'm on stage and yeah so just cool surreal stuff like that um um yeah, yeah, it was great. That's really cool, man. I, and I highly, su highly suggest playing Madison Square Garden. I'll write that down. 
I'll write that down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I just appreciate like the the honest sense of like joy and wonder, um, you know, because I feel like in some parts it necessitates you becoming so professional that when you get there you don't care anymore or something like that. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. I, I've had to earn it and like grind and all this kind of stuff. But that I feel like that's such a letdown to your inner child, your inner self of just like soak it in like you're there you made it it's like you're yeah. on that stage now um that even if some people might be like oh whatever like i'm trying to play it cool it's like there's no playing it cool at that stage like be giddy about it because that that's yeah. like something that's such a small percentage of musical population will will achieve and get to do and uh and like soaking that in and celebrating that i think is a is a beautiful thing I'm I'm 100% in agreement with you, and that's actually something that I really appreciated about uh-huh. the experience in general is that Peter and his band, who are like his OG band, like, yeah, they're as as instrumentalists, yeah. they're they're legends themselves. You know, like Tony Levin, the bass player, like member of like King Crimson, recorded with John Lennon and like uh, Paul. Uh, Paul McCartney, Paul Simon, like Manu Kache, like celebrity drummer, you know, five albums with Sting, you know, like Joni Mitchell, you know, like all these like insane credits and and they're older guys too, you know, they're in like their 60s and 70s. And there's they're so youth, their vibes are all just so youthful and they're so excited to play music and yes i watch them interact with each other and it's like oh my god it's just it's exactly the same as me and my musician friends cool like to a to a t they're just 40 years older than us or 30 years older it's 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 exactly the same that's a beautiful thing and that was that was honestly my favorite that right there was my favorite thing about the entire tour it's like like this is just uh because I, I just turned 30 you know mm-hmm. big ex- existential crisis <laughs> moment or right. being everything, a musician everything being... we've been told which was like i think it was way more true in the 90s and like early aughts of yeah uh, you know you're 30 and that's the that's the cap of what a major label will sign you at or whatever yeah 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 you're you're toast you're toast as yeah. a musician yeah once you once you uh left your 20s and nothing more to say yeah yeah and just like looking at these these guys who are crushing it you know yes later in life and um and also not super jaded i think it's so common to so whenever whenever you meet an older musician they're just like you know like life's been tough you know it's like totally totally and just to to see some examples of not not that yes hugely inspiring yes that is that's really yep. beautiful um so i got two more questions for you if you got time for it yeah all right first one is uh the apple commercial so um yep. that that's super dope um would just love to get the audience hip to that song and so they can also um, check out your music um how, how did that come about tell me a little bit about that that tune i, I read the i read the story um but I, you know maybe not everybody else did about yeah that song and where it ended up so i um i put out my first ep in 2022 last year and 
2021, when I was putting out some of my first music, um, I was fortunate enough that Spotify picked it up and started putting it on some editorial playlists, um, which I think is how how we met, right? Similar, similar playlist or something like that. I think we were sharing a playlist, something like that. Yeah, right. And I, uh, from that, I started to have um, companies reaching out to me, wanting to do partnerships with with me. And one of them, um, or a couple of these companies, were uh, sync companies. So, for people unfamiliar, a sync company is kind of like the the middleman between artists and corporations who are looking to put music to their advertisements. So uh, companies will come to these uh, think sync companies and say, we're looking for this vibe. Yes. And, and then the sync people say, oh, we have a library um, full of music from artists that we've partnered with. We'll see if we can find anything from that vibe. And one of these companies that I, uh, I work with and um, they they just hit me up a, a couple of weeks before the the Apple thing happened and they said like hey we think we we think we got a, a bite yeah you know can you just send us over some more assets yeah, yeah. Uh, and the day before it came out they didn't say what it was they were just like hey we got it you know checks in the mail and uh, I was like okay cool and then my uh, my brother and his friends are all in tech. Oh, cool. And, yeah. and so this new, this Apple commercial comes out and all of a sudden, all at once, him and all his friends are flooding me with texts. No way. So, did, you, did you, did you know your, yeah. your songs in this Apple commercial? Like this, your songs in this Apple thing. Um, so that was just a huge surprise. And like Apple's like, um, that had always been kind of my, yeah, for sure. Gold, gold standard of getting a, a sync, you know? So, I was just like, and it was right after I came off the road with Peter Gabriel. And it was just, it was just very validating. It was just really nice, you know, and it was very like, great. I just had this amazing experience being a sideman in a band. Like one lane. That was exactly, this is all the encouragement I need to jump right back into my artist thing and make a bunch, bunch of new records and yeah, man. Yeah. So, so that was, yeah, that was that. I mean, it was, it was completely, I hadn't got to think in a while. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And I kind of felt like all my music was just sitting in a, mm-hmm. in the ether somewhere. And then uh, that came out of nowhere and it was, it was great. Yeah. Uh, what was the, I feel like you, you had a story or something about the headspace that you were in when you wrote the tune or something like yeah. that. Um, mm-hmm. mind sharing a little bit about that? I just think that's like an interesting beginning. Definitely, kind of yeah, sure. So, I I made that EP at the time that I I I had just moved to LA. I moved to LA in the middle of the pandemic. I think, like a lot of people, yes, um, things just kind of maybe then came to a head or blew up in the uh-huh. pandemic, and a lot of people were like, "I need to make a big change in my life," right? Right. And and I did that. I, I quit my old band. Um, my longtime relationship ended. And I I just picked up all my stuff and I moved across the country from Boston to LA and had no no job lined up, no work, just my savings and 
Um, and it was the middle of the pandemic, so there was no work to be had anyway. So it was like, <laughs> I might as well just move to the place I want to be anyways. Yep. And, and so I wrote, I was writing this EP and I was, I was, I made most of it with uh, two friends and we were just all in the same place where we were all just like very, very like capable musicians, but we're all like, we want to be producers. We want to be songwriters, you know, like we want yeah, to, totally. we want to do this thing. Um, we don't really know how, mm-hmm. but I brought them in to work with me on this, on this project. And so we're just all so stressed. <laughs> we're <Yeah>. all so <laughs> in, you know, creatively inspired and also so stressed. So I was just <laughs> and uh, running out of money and yeah. no idea of if, if all the things we're doing are the right thing to have this music career, but it's like, just but we're gonna it. make yeah, yeah but we're just doing it you know we're just like yeah. making music so um so yeah and and you can hear in the song it's a frantic song it's frantic totally. it's totally it's intense it's like yeah. heavy it's like i look i listen back and i'm like oh my god like i was i was in a crazy headspace like yeah yeah it's like making this like futuristic drum and bass you know uh-huh. like uh-huh. you know like hip-hop kind of kind of thing 808s and stuff um but um but we also really put our all into the project because it was just it was the thing it was like the thing that we're doing right now and and yeah i'm really really pleased with how it came out and um and not much i like had i had a song from it do pretty well but like not much else happened with it so then to get one of those songs that had just kind yeah. of fallen into oblivion to get like noticed now like a year and a half later it's like oh great you know that was a good job you know nice pat on the back right exactly yeah i uh i resonate with that very much yeah uh, <laughs> i want to i want to ask you one last question uh this is how we like to end the podcast um so the podcast is called uh love music more and this yeah. little segment is called love music why so basically, this mm-hmm. is your pitch to talk to you know twelve year old you kind of thing. But like, why did you make the right call? Why do you love music so much? Why do you continue to love music? It's just kind of yeah. like like an overview of of that whole vibe. I have always viewed making music as a craft, and all of my either mentors or people that I look up to, like idols. I look up to them. I, I especially like when I was that age, when I was a young kid, I looked up to them because of like these things that they were making because they dedicated their lives to, you know, a specific, a specific thing. But now I, um, now at, at this age and seeing just like getting a, a peek into all these different options of lifestyles. Right. And which I think like, you reach your your late twenties and your thirties, and you start to see like, oh, there's like people. People are choosing careers, but they're also choosing what sort of life they want to live, right? And to me, having a life and a career where 
that is centered around a craft that can always, you could pour your entire life in and you'll never be satisfied with how far you've come because you're always reaching, you know, you're, you're getting better. And then you, once you get better, you see the next place you can be. Right. And then you get to that place and you see the next place that you can be. I think it's such a fulfilling type of life that you'll never be boredom is not a word that I ever encounter in my life and having a life that's also centered around inspiration and community and I also think I I make music because it's a very spiritually fulfilling thing for me to do and I also believe that it is a spiritually fulfilling uh, product to give to other people who don't have the ability to make it. So those are those are kind of my my reasons for making music. I feel like it it creates a lifestyle for me that I find constantly gives me gives me as much as I put in and then also I think it's a yeah emotionally and spiritually healing and fulfilling thing to do and I think it's doing a a service to the world I love that I totally agree Uh, thank you for coming on Josh this is super fun to chat uh one last time where can people find find your music and uh link up with you yeah, uh, my name is Joshu, J-O-S-H-O-O, on Instagram, I-T-S underscore J-O-S-H-O-O, same on TikTok. Um, find me, hit me up, check out the tunes. <laughs> yeah, but thanks a lot, Scoob, I appreciate it. That was super fun. Um, if people want to check out my stuff, scoobertduber.pizza is my website, and uh, for sure share this uh, podcast, five stars, all that stuff, so that people can find it, so we can keep doing this because i love having these conversations and i think just like how music is spiritually fulfilling i think talking about it and sharing a little bit of what goes into it on a deeper level you know like i, I don't know i see a lot of i see a lot of like music interviews that um, i think tyler the creator was just talking about this that mm-hmm. like focus like really heavily not on the music that is more on the yeah. celebrity you know which then that, that, that yeah. room for that and that's that's cool but i just mm-hmm. love i love having these conversations because i'm always like i leave it feeling fulfilled and surprised at the same time of like huh haven't thought about it that way but by thinking about it that way i'm super inspired to do it you know what i mean love it. thank you for the for the gift of this conversation man likewise thank you all right take it easy likewise peace <laughs>